morning. Yeah, it's good to see you all here this morning. It's good to be able to come together and to uh, to worship like we do. And I just uh, thank you and appreciate you all for being here today and just for all you do as my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I uh, often nervous and often stress a lot about preaching anymore. Uh, that's kind of amazing. I think I've preached hundreds of lessons over the course of the years, but uh, it always is, seems like a stressful time. Uh, I have to get back to uh, what Paul said. You know, Paul said that uh, uh, we preach not ourselves, but we, are, we preach the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are servants uh, for your sake. And so I just stand here before you as simply a servant, and uh, it's not about me, and it's not about the presentation, it's about the Word of God, and so uh, I just have to remember that. So y'all help me with that, okay? Uh, this morning, I'd like to, uh, uh, just a few weeks ago in our uh, afternoon grow group, we uh, did Paul's letter to Philemon. Uh, just for a little brief study, we had a couple of weeks before we were going to take our break, and so uh, we went through this letter. And I think it, for me, it was the first time that I had been through Philemon's letter uh, with a group. In other words, it was the first time I did it in a Bible study. I'd read it many times before, uh, but I'd never really had an opportunity to share and study with other people. And uh, it was very uh, insightful, and I just really came to realize how powerful and how important uh, a letter that it was. And uh, I also realized that it's a letter that we really don't uh, preach from much. It's not quoted very often or anything like that. And so I thought this for a few minutes this morning, I'd share a little bit from this letter. I think that really at the core of it, it is a letter about the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I really wanted to just kind of, you know, maybe give a little background uh, of the letter, and then also talk a little bit about how the gospel transforms us. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and just read the entire letter. Uh, I'll break it up a little bit. We'll, uh, we'll uh, read probably the first half or so. Uh, I'll say a little prayer, and then we'll finish it up, if that's okay. Uh, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from you, from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. 
I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name. We're just so thankful, Lord God, for today, for this time that we have together to worship and praise your name together as a church family. Lord God, as we go into a study of your word, Father, we just pray, dear Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, that we might receive your engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. Father, as I teach, I just pray, God, that you would use me, Lord, I pray, Father, that your word might have its desired effect and impact upon our hearts and our lives, dear Lord. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. That's the letter of Philemon. The Apostle Paul, he probably met uh, this man Philemon during his three years of ministry uh, in the region of Ephesus and Asia Minor. Uh, this would have been on his uh, third missionary tour, and of course it's covered in Acts chapter 19. Now in verse 19 of our reading, in verse 19 of Paul's letter to Philemon, he said to him that you owe me even your own self. And kind of from that statement, what we gather is that Philemon was converted to Jesus Christ under the preaching of the Apostle Paul. And it's somewhat evident that they may have even become very close friends and perhaps even shared or served in ministry together in some way or another uh, during the course of their meeting and their time together. Uh, now, Philemon uh, was believed really to be a wealthy uh, believer, wealthy Christian living in the city of Colossae. Now, Colossae would have been about 100 miles to the east of Ephesus, 
and certainly would have been included or part of the region uh, around Asia Minor. So during Paul's time of preaching, ministering in around Ephesus and Asia Minor, he came in contact with Philemon during a course of that time, and Philemon was converted, and of course, he may have spent some time with Paul under his discipleship and so forth, and it brings us to this time. Now, uh, as I mentioned, Philemon was a wealthy Christian. Uh, it's got a couple of reasons for believing that. First of all, uh, Paul greeted the church in Philemon's house, uh, and some say it's the church that met in his house. And, you know, generally speaking, only the wealthy would have had a house that was large enough to host a church. And so for that reason, it's believed that he was probably a wealthy man. But there's another reason also. He's also believed to be wealthy because Philemon owned slaves. And, of course, that would have been a a luxury that was confined to the well-to-do only. And so, therefore, it's pretty well known that Philemon was a wealthy Christian. And so that fact that he owned slaves brings me to the next character or central figure that we read about in this letter, a man by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus was one of Philemon's slaves that had run away. And it's believed that when he fled, that he stole something of value from from Philemon's home. And once again, Paul mentions the fact that, hey, if he owes you anything, I'll repay it. And that's kind of a reference to the fact that uh, Onesimus probably took something or stole something when he fled from Philemon's home. Now, this letter was written during Paul's two-year imprisonment in Rome. And of course, we read about that in Acts, the 28th chapter. You know, Paul mentions his imprisonment five times during the course of this brief letter. And that's kind of really amazing when you consider that it's a very short letter, doesn't even hardly take up a full page, yet Paul mentions his imprisonment five different times. And you know, not once when he mentions it does he speak of it as being a negative. Uh, As a matter of fact, in uh, another letter that Paul wrote from prison, in Philippians, he puts a very positive spin uh, on his prison time. He said, I want you to know that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. So Paul really saw his negative circumstances, his imprisonment, as a blessing and perhaps even a benefit. Uh, Paul was a perfect example of the old saying that if life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Uh, Paul's own words in Romans chapter 5 were, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. And thus Paul gives us a Uh, uh, really a whole new way, a whole different way of looking at our trials, our sufferings, and our negative circumstances. And you know, his example really should cause us to view our trials and our negative circumstances really in a whole new light because really God uses those to build us up, to strengthen us, and to uh, cause us to be better servants, better Christians, better disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, moving on, sometimes during 
Paul's imprisonment, he comes in contact with Onesimus. Onesimus had fled to Rome, uh, where, you know, of course, he could have gone to Rome because there he could really very easily uh, blend in among Rome's very uh, uh, high slave population. Matter of fact, it's uh, generally believed that uh, Rome was probably made up of one-third to probably even half of slaves. Can you imagine that, that half the population uh, were slaves? And so by going there, Onesimus could just really kind of easily blend in. He, he would look like everybody else in the crowd. And of course, during that time, while he was there, some way or somehow, he comes in contact with the Apostle Paul. And the thing that we know about the Apostle Paul, just from reading and studying his letters, is that if you met him, he was going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no way that you are going to meet Paul and not hear the gospel and hear about Jesus. And so Onesimus also becomes a Christian under Paul's teaching. Now, I want to just say a little something about that. When we read this account of Philemon and how he runs into Paul, I think in this we see uh, just a, a bit of the divine providence and sovereignty of our God. You know, this was kind of a perfect storm, if you will. Uh, you know, Paul's in prison in Rome uh, for two years, and it just so happens that Onesimus, from way down in Colossae, he's in Rome, and somehow the two meet one another. Uh, they're not advertising their, 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 their presence there, but they come in contact with one another. And Onesimus becomes a Christian. Only an almighty, all-knowing God could orchestrate such a meeting like that. And such an outcome is this. You know, concerning this chance meeting, Paul wrote to Philemon saying, you know, Perhaps this is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but rather as a beloved brother. In other words, Paul was saying, you know, uh, this is really kind of what God had in mind all along, that uh, uh, Onesimus would run away, that I would be in prison, that we would meet each other, and that ultimately Philemon, I mean Onesimus, would respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ. Paul is saying, you know, that's why he was, uh, that might be very well why he was parted from you in the first place. You know, I think what it says is that our God is sovereign, that he, that he has all power, he's all-knowing, he's omniscient, and uh, that he's able to orchestrate things and work things out according to his good and perfect plan, and, and we need to understand that God is yet alive and active and working in the lives of his creation. Because that's exactly what he did here with Onesimus. He brought him to a place and a point where he could come to know Jesus. And I think that that's amazing. I think it's an amazing fact that comes out of this letter. Well, after becoming a Christian under Paul's preaching, Onesimus remains in Rome with Paul for a time. Of course, he's being discipled by Paul, but not only that, he's also serving alongside Paul in ministry. He's being a help to Paul in some way, and Paul references that in his letter, talking about the fact how, you know, he's very useful to me here uh, in Rome. And so he's serving with Paul, but you know, the thing about it is uh, that Onesimus 
was a slave who had run away from his master. Now, for a slave to flee from his master, to be a runaway, this was a serious crime in the Roman Empire, uh, for which Onesimus could have been severely punished or even put to death. That's how serious an offense that it was. And certainly while, you know, we see slavery as a very uh, abhorrent and very terrible institution uh, among society, among societies, we have to understand it was very common in biblical history. And, you know, we read about slavery very often in Scripture. And, you know, the thing about it is that the Holy Spirit uh, never gave any instructions for slaves to flee or to rebel against their master. And, you know, I just want to mention this for just a moment here because I think it's important. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 20, he said that each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant or a slave when called? Don't be concerned about it. He said, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. And likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. What's the Apostle Paul saying here? Uh, you know, what it says... and how it applies to our talk today, is Onesimus came to Jesus Christ as a slave. And according to what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, if he could legally and peacefully gain his freedom, he should avail himself of that opportunity. But freedom was not to come through rebellion or bloodshed or any other illegal means. That's what the Apostle Paul talked about in his letter. You see, what it tells us is that, you know, Jesus came not to change the world by military force, by political revolution, or through any illegal means, but rather he came to change the hearts of people one by one. And Paul understood that principle. He understood that. And he recognized that, you know what? Onesimus, it's good that you're here to serve with me. I'm glad that you're a Christian, but you got a master back there in Colossae that you need to go back to, and things need to be set right. And thus Paul is compelled to send Onesimus back to Philemon, and he sends him back bearing this letter that we have preserved for us in Scripture. This letter is Paul's appeal to his friend Philemon, to receive his servant back, to receive him back without punishment, to forgive him for running away in the first place, and finally to love him as a brother in Christ. I suppose we could see any number of valuable spiritual lessons in this letter, and I've already talked about a couple, but I want to spend just a few minutes to emphasize what for me was really probably the most powerful point of this letter, the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we see it here in this letter to Philemon. 
First of all, the gospel transforms people. Transforms people, transforms lives. It changes lives. It changes people. Both Philemon and Onesimus were changed individuals after they responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. After they came to know Jesus, they were not the same. They were both changed men. Notice in verse 11 of this uh, letter, Paul says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Now, when we listen to that, uh, how Paul says, you know, uh, you know, before, he was useless. He was useless. And, you know, you think about that uh, by really running away from his master. He had rendered himself useless to his master. A runaway slave is really not useful, useful to his master at all. And, you know, we can probably just kind of read between the lines here just a little bit, and we might be able to see the fact that, you know, Onesimus, even while he was with Philemon, he may have been a bit useless. It may point to the fact that uh, he was one known for being lazy and failing to carry out his duties. But Paul says that now he's indeed useful to you and to me. In other words, he is very useful. He's different now. He's changed now. Because of the gospel, Onesimus will have a new attitude and a new work ethic. He's learned how the Lord would have bondservants or slaves to live in relationship with their masters. Matter of fact, Paul had wrote to the church at at Colossae, which probably came and was delivered very much uh, at the same time as this letter. Paul said, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simply, Paul uh, gave instruction to the slaves, to the bondservants, that you know what? When you work for your master, work with your whole heart. Put your whole self into it because in essence you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, your relationship with Jesus Christ influences and changes the way that you behave in your your service to your master. And beloved, in like manner, think about the fact that you know what? Uh, you know, when we go to work every day, of course, we don't consider ourselves to be slaves because we can walk away anytime and we get paid for that. But you know what? These principles, they should impact the way that we are as employees in the workplace. Beloved, because of these very instructions, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, as Christians, we ought to be model employees. We should work as we're working for the Lord. We should work with all our hearts. We should work with sincerity. We shouldn't just work when the boss or the supervisor is looking over our shoulders, but all the time. Not as men pleasers, but we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's possible that Philemon had to undergo a change, a transformation of his own. 
I often wonder and have wondered through reading and studying this letter why Onesimus would risk severe punishment or even death to run away from his master in the first place. It makes me wonder if Philemon hadn't always treated his slaves very well. Of course, I'm just reading through the lines here. I'm just uh, kind of wondering about things. But you know, Paul also addressed the masters as well because in Colossians 4.1, he said, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. There had to be some change and some transformation on both sides, both in Philemon's life and Onesimus' life also. And you know what? The gospel should change our lives as well. Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we should be changed individuals, and we ought to be continually changing. The gospel ought to be continually working in our lives and bringing about change within us. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness, he said, but now you are light in the Lord. He says, walk as children of light. In other words, Paul is saying your relationship to Jesus Christ should influence your walk, that is, your manner of living. In another place, he said, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, he's telling us that the Spirit of God is at work within us to produce change in character and change in conduct. Beloved, Jesus Christ transforms. He changes us. He changes people. He changed Onesimus. He changed Philemon. And Jesus Christ should change us. Secondly, this morning, the gospel transforms relationships. The gospel transforms relationships. In verses 15 and 16, and we've read this already, but let me share it again and emphasize it. He said, for this, for this perhaps is why Onesimus was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. You know, I don't know for sure if, Philemon uh, granted Onesimus his freedom uh, when he returned. But, you know, one thing is certain. Their relationship was never going to be the same. Their relationship wasn't going to be the same. They were now brothers in Jesus Christ. And that would mean that they are now bound eternally by the blood of Jesus Christ. They would now walk in love towards one another. They would walk in humility towards one another. And there would be mutual respect why? Because Jesus Christ was now in both of their hearts and their lives. Their relationship was transformed because of Jesus. And beloved, our relationship with Jesus Christ, it should transform and it should impact our relationships, both with one another and also with the world as well. It should transform and change our relationships. You know, John said in 1 John chapter 4, he said there, let me get it up here. He said, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation, that is, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 
There, John says, because of our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus Christ, then we ought to love one another. Our relationship should be transformed, continually transformed. We should continue to strive to love one another more. Look out for one another. Embrace one another. And it's regardless of our differences, whether it be our difference in race, whether it be our difference in cultural status or social status, or whether it be our difference in financial status or whatever the case may be, we love one another because of Jesus Christ. Because of Christ, all schism and all biases should be overcome. All egos should be set aside. All envy and malice put away because we are disciples of Jesus Christ, children of the Most High God, and the love of God should flow through us. Even our relationships with unbelievers should reflect Christ in us. Apostle Paul said, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Because we are Christians, it transforms our relationships. It makes a difference how we interact with people on the job, with people in school, and all of those things because we're Christians. And no matter how the world acts, we act like Jesus. We act like Jesus and we embrace his principles. Finally this morning, the gospel transforms status. The gospel transforms status. And once again, I don't know for certain if Onesimus remained a slave or not when he returned to Philemon. Uh, Certainly I believe that because of Paul's letter and because Philemon was now influenced by the Spirit of God that He did eventually grant Onesimus his freedom. But even if he didn't, Onesimus' status was certainly now different. If not different in society, it was certainly different in the sight of God. Once again, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 22, Paul said, For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord. And likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. What's he telling us here? He says that even though, you know, you may be a slave socially, you may be a slave in your physical realm, he says you are free in Jesus Christ. Jesus said if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, I believe that what Jesus is saying is regardless of his earthly status as a slave, Onesimus was now more free than he had ever been in his life because of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, if I make you free, you're free indeed. You're free in every way. So regardless of his status as a slave or as a bondservant, he was free in Jesus Christ. Beloved, through the blood of Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ, you know, really the field has been level because we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ and we're all joint heirs in Jesus Christ. And you know what? That really basically says that what? We're all the same. The rich, the powerful, the socially high, the famous, uh, none of them get any advantage, advantage before God. 
because we're all joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And in Christ, we are all the same. And by the same token, just know that if you're poor, oppressed, enslaved, marginalized by society, remember that you're valued and you're loved and you're exalted by the Most High God. James said it this way. James said, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. In other words, James said, you know what? Uh, the lowly brother, he can boast in his exaltation because why? Jesus Christ has lifted him up. He is now somebody in Jesus Christ. He is an heir with Jesus Christ, a joint heir in Christ. And so he can boast in his exaltation. He has been raised up. He's been lifted up. And so no matter what the world may say about him or what status he may have in the world, he is exalted in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. When the king exalts you, when the king raises you up, you are somebody. You are somebody. And so the gospel transforms and enriches status no matter who you are or where you are. The takeaway from all this is that, beloved, the gospel transforms people. Jesus Christ transforms and changes people. It transforms relationships. It transforms status. It changes our hearts. It changes our lives. There's tradition among some of the early church fathers that says that Onesimus was ultimately set free by Philemon. And he may be the same man who would later become a bishop over the church in Ephesus. Wouldn't that say a lot about the transforming power of Jesus Christ? The slave ultimately becomes an elder of one of the largest churches in the Roman Empire. But even if that wasn't the case, even if it's not the same person that we can read about, we know that Onesimus, Philemon, and even us, we're forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's transformed our lives. He's brought about change in our life. And beloved, you're a child of God. Your life will never be the same. Amen and hallelujah. I thank you this morning.